This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell, yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Surprise, surprise, guys. We are back with you earlier than usual this week for a couple of reasons that we might get into in here in just a minute but this is episode 114 of top rope nation plenty to discuss a very newsworthy tuesday in the world of wrestling my name is ryan drasty of comicbook.com i am joined by both of my co-hosts as usual justin joint kyle ross we're here to break down uh the aew world heavyweight championship belt going missing among other things on the agenda tonight kyle How's it going out there tonight in uh, Cleveland, Ohio? I don't know about as well as Chris Jericho and a Longhorn. <laughs> he he looks not bothered though. Did you see that video he put out tonight? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the scene was very similar for how he lost the title belt. Quite frankly, <laughs> that's true. That is true. It's uh, it's quite the story. I I didn't hear about this at all until this evening, and then I thought it was fake at first. But no, I mean, there's police reports and. Uh, Pretty crazy, Justin Joint. How are you doing tonight? Doing good. Uh, happened upon a bunch of uh, leaked information for the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, so I'm all filled in on that and feeling good. Nice. Very nice. Are you going to be a Disney Plus subscriber? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, between like all of my interests and my kid and my wife, yeah, that's that's got it all. No brainer. And you get the Star Wars, too, the new show. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, Mandalorian. Absolutely. Uh, Guys, like I said, this is early this week. Normally, we release on Friday mornings, but uh, and we record Thursday night, but there's a particular NFL football game that has my interest Thursday night this week. Opening week, my Chicago Bears will be in action, so we are recording early, although we are going to be back behind the microphones this weekend for another edition of Top Rope Nation classics if you want more top rope nation content and who doesn't check out patreon.com slash top rope nation where you can get all the episodes of top rope nation classics like the one this weekend we'll be recording about wwe i guess it was wwf still at the time no Backlash. it was the first it was actually the first up wasn't it the first wwe pod uh pay-per-view or was it the last wwf it was the last wwf because i know they changed in may and that would have been april right yeah, oh, I think it was the last okay. WWF pay per view then. So uh, we'll be we'll be reviewing that one. You can double check while I'm talking. 
Uh, we'll be reviewing that one this weekend, putting it out for Patreon supporters. We'll put the 10-minute preview, as usual, on our uh, regular feeds. And then this past weekend, we all got together to record a review of Top Rope Nation Extra, looking at All Elite Wrestling's All Out pay-per-view. So we did that on Sunday morning. That's available over there on the Patreon page. You can get the teaser on our general podcast feeds. But uh, we would love to have your support over on Patreon. we got a growing group of subscribers there who seem to like the content we have for them. Um, we got a lot of people that have been members for a long time and uh, we got a growing community. Like I said, it's a lot of fun to talk to those people on a more one-to-one basis to get them some free gifts out in the mail to do giveaways. We just did a giveaway with a very rare WWE Randy Savage figure and we got more planned in the future. So if you sign up this weekend, we'll get something out to you in the mail uh, for sure. A die cut sticker, with the Top Rope Nation podcast logo on it. And uh, yeah, hopefully you'll, get, you'll enjoy the bonus content we have coming for you in the future and everything that is available there on demand. I do have to give a shout out to the newest patron of the show, Mr. Ooh. Ryan H. Yeah, Mr. Ryan H. who signed up uh, on Sunday to hear the conclusion of that uh, AW All Out review show on Top Rope Nation Extra. So Ryan, thanks for your support. Was it the hooker story that got him? <laughs> it may have been. It was just perfect timing. We always put up the first 10 minutes of those shows, and I'm I'm editing it, and I'm like, Kyle, you have impeccable timing, because when I added the intro on, right as I got to the 10-minute mark, Kyle goes into the story from his batch, from his friend's bachelor party in New Orleans. I'm like, this is perfect. You got you to gotta sign up to hear the rest of that story, Kyle, and what a story it was. What yes. a story it was. Uh, by the way, you were correct. Uh, Backlash was the final WWF pay-per-view. Judgment Day 02, uh, May, was the first pay-per-view to use the WWE name. I don't know why. I always uh, associated the brand extension with the name change. I didn't know that um, that the name change came later. I had forgotten, I should say. So I always remember this, and I'll, I'll get into this on the classic show, because we always kind of talk about on those shows what we were doing at the time of the events. And this is the most recent one we've done. I mean, it was 17 years ago, but uh, uh, I was a senior in high school graduating in 2002, and I always remember that WWF, WWE name change came like just a couple of weeks before I graduated. So May 2002, it's etched in my mind. I could not believe it. WWE, when I saw that logo without the F on it, flabbergasted did not like get the it. f out did not like it <laughs> uh all right so uh before we get to the agenda tonight as always if you're listening on apple Podcasts, please hit subscribe leave us a five-star review leave us a written review even better we'll read it on the show we're available wherever podcasts are found that's stitcher radio spotify tune in google play TopRopeNation.com has all our links to all of our merchandise, uh, ways you can support the show, our biographies, things like that. And uh, if you have an Amazon Alexa device, say, Alexa, play Top Rope Nation podcast, and she will give it a try. All right. So uh, let's go right into this AEW stuff, guys, because uh, like we were talking about a second ago, Chris Jericho lost the AEW World Championship. Or belt. it was stolen. We don't know yet. Well, or it could have been stolen. So uh, there's a police report on this. It is legit. I know based on what's been happening on social media today, some people now are saying, oh, this has got to be a work. But no, there is a legit police report. Like, this cannot be a work, right? I don't think the police would be too happy <laughs> to go along with that. So no. 
I mean, David Bixenspan, uh, Sean Ross Sab, both of them corroborated this with the Tallahassee uh, Police Department. It is legit. So, I mean, yeah, as you said, Kyle, Jericho was in a Longhorn Steakhouse, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, the belt was in his rented limousine. Is that correct? I believe so, yes. And uh, there was some mix-up with the bags or something. Let me let me pull up the uh, police report again. Let me get this all – make sure we get this all correct because there was some mix-up with – I know the, the limo had to go back to the hotel or something or other, and uh, when it came back, there was no belt. Let's see. It says, the victim identified as Jericho reported that the theft of his championship wrestling belt while he was eating inside Longhorn – Steakhouse, the report reads, the victim stated he arrived at the Millionaire Club Airport Terminal and placed the belt inside his rented limousine. The limo driver shuttled the victim to Longhorn for dinner. The victim remained at Longhorn while the limo driver returned to the airport. The victim had taken the wrong luggage from the airport and the driver took it back to the terminal. When the driver picked up the victim from the restaurant, the belt was missing. Responding officers searched the limo and airport for the belt without success. Uh, on call, authorities were consulted and forensics responded to the scene. <laughs> <laughs> Legit. This is crazy. This is one of the craziest stories in pro wrestling in a long, long time. Justin Joint, your thoughts? Not the first time. I, I recall a story of uh, Ted DiBiase losing the million-dollar belt. Oh, yeah. What year would have that been? years ago (laughs) late 80s early 90s i mean obviously it's like 89 to 91 in that range yeah i don't know if i know that story what was that story uh he was out with uh boy i don't remember but he was out drinking and i think it was kind of the same thing where they left it in a car and went back out to the car and it was long gone (laughs) that's crazy (laughs) that i mean that's bad but uh Thinking about losing a brand new company's yeah, world championship belt yeah. within days of being crowned the first champion. Insane. It's not a good omen for AEW, is it? No, this is this is not so, good. But they're working it in the storylines pretty well yes, with their social media. Okay. So if you're AEW, you have to work this into a storyline. And don't you do something where right now you've almost to me, I always think, you know, you turn a negative into a positive. Either you find the title, you have to make a new one or whatever. But storyline-wise, don't you have whoever his first contender is going to be show up on TV claiming to have stolen the title? Oh, yeah. That's a must, I would think. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, to me, I I think you've been handed a storyline, and I think you got to run with it. Yeah. So it looks like... um... They should be okay. I mean, I know they're not doing a, an event for about a month until they debut on TNT, but uh, there was a report out earlier that uh, AEW, I believe they have a second belt. Mm. Uh, I think, let me look here. Brian <laughs> Alvarez, the- your boy Brian oh. Alvarez reported oh, that. Well, then it must be true. So, I mean, they they should have a belt when they debut on October 2nd on TNT, Wednesday night, uh Regardless of what happens with this investigation, uh, I, I loved all the people who were tweeting. Ah, they just—he's going to show up with the AEW tag titles, and they're just going to pixelate it out. <laughs> nice, a la Ric Flair in 1991 yeah. WWE. Um, I saw Arby's commented. 
Arby's known for the wrestling references on Twitter. So this has been it's been quite the night. It's uh, definitely newsworthy. It got a lot of people's attention. I, I could not believe it when I saw it. I said, "No way." I know. I thought it was a storyline, like I said yeah. too. It's it, crazy. Honestly, it's more surprising that it doesn't. It, it's surprising that it doesn't happen more often. It is. It is because these guys, yeah, they travel with the belts. Personally, you'll see wrestlers uh, post pictures of like TSA people examining their belts when they go through security at airports and stuff. So, yeah, it is. It actually is pretty surprising. It hasn't happened more in the last several decades. Well, this is probably just karma for him making fun of Brian Pillman Jr.'s hair. <laughs> <laughs> that great uh, post show segment jericho did i th- I love that i thought he was so good on that we talked about that on top rope nation extra but jericho was very entertaining he was entertaining in the video he put out tonight too commenting on the missing belt uh he's sitting in his hot tub somewhere in florida i guess and he's uh drinking wine or champagne and uh he said in the video he has hired his own special investigators the best the best private investigators in the world to find the belt and bring this person to justice. And he said that he would find, reclaim, and restore the championship. So never fear AEW fans. Chris Jericho is out to find the perp. So uh, that is what's going on there. Yeah. We'll see if it's they create, find it. Create very, like I said, they should turn it into a storyline because it's out there. Because it, you just look bad if you ignore it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Have fun with it. <laughs> he might as well. The other, especially because the other AEW story we're going to talk about doesn't seem like it's very fun, does it? I have no idea what's going on with this. The release story with Kylie Ray. Well, I, I don't either. And I mean, mum is the word. But, you know, a lot of people, and being that we don't know what the situation is, I think it is... Uh, not too professional of us to speculate too far, but there were a lot of people examining Tony Khan's body language when he was asked about the situation in the press conference and his subsequent reaction. Oh, yeah, yeah, she, she asked for a release and we gave it to her. Yeah, no questions asked. Yeah, private matter. It certainly would appear that this is more than someone just saying, I don't want to work here anymore. I want to leave. I'm done. It certainly feels like something is amiss here. Yeah. I mean, she seemed very enthusiastic about being there and they Mm -hmm. really seem poised to make her a star. Yeah. Remember Cody's comment. Oh, she, you know, she's the real Bailey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She, I mean, she deleted all of her social media. From what I understand, yeah, and she's pretty and, much gone dark in the last few weeks. Yeah, and somebody—I mean, you know—I know not everyone likes him, and some out and out hate him. But Rover had t- tweeted days before the show. From his understanding, was that she's completely done with pro wrestling, and it, it would appear that that's the case. And it's that's one heck of a hard right turn. You just—I mean, it's fair to ask what happened here. Mm-hmm. You know, I know everyone's saying, oh, it's a very personal matter, and you, her privacy should be respected. And I, I agree with that to a degree, but, to say, you know, you just hope that it's it's nothing serious. And I think there are a lot of people raising questions, and they're probably right to do so. 
Yeah, she. I mean, I I thought she was very good when I saw her. I haven't seen a lot of her work, but uh, I thought she stood out when she was on the show back in uh, at Double or Nothing, and uh, I was looking forward to seeing more of her work in AEW. Uh, as far as her being out of wrestling, that yeah, you're right. That is kind of a mystery. There was um, pictures of her training in like late July. She was uh, training with freelance wrestling. And so those got out on the internet. So she has done some wrestling since early on in the summer. But uh, yeah, it is this huge mystery. Nobody has any idea of really, truly what is going on, or do we. So uh, something to keep your eye on if you're a, a Kylie Ray fan, obviously. And uh, we wish her the best, whatever she chooses to do. But uh, it is, it's a pretty mysterious story, that is for sure. Because like you guys said, she's, it seemed like they had big plans for her and rightfully so and no longer so uh, we'll see what happens there but uh guys on our uh, top rope nation extra show on sunday looking at all out we did we talked about like how much great wrestling there was on saturday and justin and i had joked we should have just done in like an all day watch along with pro wrestling because you had the nxt uk takeover show you had the new japan pro wrestling royal quest show which was our friend liam at that show Kyle, do you know for sure? I don't know. I have not spoken to him he, in a yeah, little he, bit. He posted a picture on Twitter, so I, I'm not sure. I got to reach out to okay, him. Well, but then I would, I would, I would imagine that he was then, unless if he's I didn't in the business someone, of stealing stock photos. Someone I, I, passed I, I, it I, on That's to not him, the Liam I know. But. Yeah, I think I think he was there, but uh, yeah, the uh, the Royal Quest, the New Japan show in the UK. Now that one was a little odd because it i guess there was feed problems and it took them a while to get it up on the new japan world on demand section because i looked uh at some point on sunday and it was not up yet i know it's up now i haven't had a chance to watch that one yet but you had royal quest at uk takeover you had aw all out of course and um People are raving about that takeover show and uh i have seen the majority of it now and uh, they were right. Excellent, excellent show. So I wanted to just kind of throw this around the horn here. Get your guys' thoughts on uh, what you saw at NXT UK TakeOver. Let's start with Justin because me and you have – most most of uh, my discussions on this have been with you, Justin. So anything you want to throw out there to the listeners? Uh, I preferred it to All Out. I thought it was you know, better and shorter show, the main event notwithstanding. I would agree. From from everything that I've seen so far on that show, it's really damn good. Really, really good. I really liked uh, really liked the triple threat tag team match. And uh, <laughs> I actually have not seen the main event yet. Me and Justin were talking off air. I'm not going to pretend like I've seen it. I haven't. That's the only match on the show I haven't seen yet. I've been uh, waiting for a time when I can sit, sit aside the uh, 45 minutes that I need to watch that match uninterrupted to truly take it in because i've heard such great things that that's the best match of the weekend and uh i am excited to watch it have not seen it yet kyle ross your thoughts well if i were you i wouldn't just set aside the uh 43 minutes to watch the match i would also set aside an additional 24 uh to watch that prime target uh uh hype video they did because it was tremendous Mm mm-hmm uh, Justin, I know, I think was the first of us to watch it. He said, wow, was this unbelievable? Um, I watched it right before I watched the match. And yeah, I mean, it, it gets you really into it. Um, 
Walters. Maybe my favorite performer under the WWE umbrella right now. Wow. High praise. I just think in terms of how he should be booked versus how he is booked, um, and just how incredible he is as an in-ring performer, how he's got his persona down too outside the ring. I mean, the, the you know, the things he was saying, you know, it just the playing up the whole, like how just disgusted he was by the British strong style and how they act. It was just unbelievable stuff. And then, yeah, his work in the match was, was just top notch. Um, I'll take it a step further. Not only was this show better than all out. I mean, if you think all out was better than uh, take, or I think you're out to lunch, quite frankly. Um, a lot of times there's arguments and I'm like, yeah, okay, I can see that. I, I, I don't see that. I don't see how you could make a case that All Out was a better show. Uh, but I'll go a step further. I think it was the best takeover UK or otherwise um, since the New Orleans show last year. Oh, I'm going to throw a little Kyle hmm in there for that one. I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> anyone who's listened to our recaps knows that I've generally not been as high on some of these takeovers Yeah, as others have. Um, this was just top to bottom, just outstanding. And, um, you know, Cesaro Dragunov and Walter Bate, I, I don't like to give a firm rating on a match. I've watched it twice. I always like to watch it back and, you know, I know where it's going and I, and I feel like I can get a better, just a better feel for it. And, and, you know, I'm more comfortable with my rating, but I mean, both those matches were like in the four and a quarter, four and a half star range. Mm -hmm. Um, they, they were just the three and the three way tag match was very good as well. I thought, I think Noam Dar, here's a confession. I actually didn't mind the pairing of him and Alicia Fox and two five live, but he's kind of like really found himself over here in the UK brand, which is what you want to see when these guys go over there, you know, just kind of like the, just a slimy heel. I think he's really good in that role was a little surprised to see Tony storm drop uh, the women's title, you know, don't know if they're going to do a return program there or if she's maybe heading to NXT proper. Um, but yeah, just top to bottom, it was outstanding. And, and, you know, while we're in the business of comparing things, um, Walter versus Tyler Bate was just simply superior to every Gargano Cole match. Because if you're going to work a long match, and certainly, again, I knew how long the match was going in. And believe it or not, I didn't. It, it was still too long, but it wasn't as big of a problem as other matches. Like, I wasn't begging for it to end. It, yeah. This was where it was worked very very smartly where, you know, Gargano and Cole, they just like keep doing all this back and forth stuff. And mm -hmm. you get through 30 plus minutes and you're like, well, is anything I watched 15 minutes ago pertinent to what I'm watching at this second? And the answer generally is no. In the case of Walter and Tyler Bate, they told a story. There was a long heat segment on Bate. He made his comeback. The crowd was super into it. Um, and by the way, kudos. I don't know what, Maybe this just says something about the current state of announcing in pro wrestling. But kudos to Vic Joseph and uh, Nigel McGuinness, who 
you know, were able to actually deliver a, dare I say, uh, good performance behind the microphone, which is something I can't remember the last time uh, I've been able to say on a major show for any brand. That was one of the takes I had. I was going to ask you guys, is is this the best announced crew in WWE? By default, yes, I guess. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought that too. And, uh, you know, without and, even... And shame on Wade Keller. I, I have a lot of respect for Wade. But for him to get on there and say Jim Ross was, quote, on at All Out, that makes me want to puke. He said that? Yes. Oh, wow. That is surprising. <laughs> You guys got to hear the all out uh, extra show on Patreon to know what we're talking about here because we had some criticisms. Yes. Well, and speaking of people uh, under the torch banner, hats off to Alan Forel, one of the better follows on Twitter, who, um, you know, joined us in his uh, stark criticism of Moro Ronaldo. Oh, yeah. On Twitter. That that was refreshing to see that someone, um, you know, you know, at one of the major websites was willing to call out Moro for, you know, what I just believe is a consistently poor effort from him. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I want to say, though, going back to your point, I I haven't even seen what I know is the best match on the card yet. Maybe I'll have a chance to watch it tonight or for sure tomorrow. I've set aside some time where I can definitely watch it tomorrow. But without even seeing that main event, I would already undoubtedly call it a better show than all out just from what i saw i love that cesaro dragunov match yes and one of the things i, I, I loved about it is because it wasn't too damn long like it was it was well paced it was a good length i know justin's watched it multiple times at this point i mean it's a match you can go back to and oh. watch it again quickly is such a good match how refreshing and i'll be honest with you i'm not sure walter versus bait was the best match on this show i i, I think it's a neck and neck deal between that and Cesaro Dragunov. I mean, Walter and Bate was definitely worked like a main event. And spoiler alert, it was the main event. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean, you know, just because it's longer and was higher up the card that it necessarily has to be better. That it was more successful in its role. I, I thought both, I think it was a neck and neck battle. And um, those were my two favorite matches of the weekend quite easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Justin, anything to add on that Cesaro match? Um. I loved it. Obviously, like you already mentioned, I, I watched it twice. Uh, the, the wife and kid happened to leave the house to go to the grocery store real quick. So I knowing that it was a you know 13 minute match, I threw that on to rewatch. Um, I, I as a Cesaro Mark, I loved him being treated as a superstar. Uh, so naturally, WWE took advantage of that reaction and had him <laughs> lose soundly to the Miz. <laughs> Yesterday, I I was gonna say, my only complaint about takeovers, yes, in a roster of approximately 7,000 people, they decided to fly Cesaro back 48 hours to do a five minute job to the Miz. Unreal, (laughs) that is that is just mind boggling. Yeah, I I didn't understand that at all. Um, and then then the only thing I just I wanted to get uh Kyle's thoughts on the end of the uh Walter Bait match where you know Bait kicks out of the move that uh ended dunn's run and then you know kicks out at one from the power bomb okay i didn't mind that but the actual fall was anti felt anticlimactic yeah yeah that, that was kind of my thoughts i loved him kicking out at one and that was kind of his last grasp uh but yeah definitely the lariat out of nowhere kind of well out of nowhere 
Yeah, I, I think I think that's a big issue with modern wrestling. Um, I feel there was, oh God, it was on Raw or SmackDown a couple weeks ago. No, it wasn't. It was on 205 Live. It was on 205 Live. I remember we talked about it, and the crowd was super into the match, and somebody hit a big move. This is incredible uh, podcasting, by the way, with me playing the pronoun game. (laughs) And the crowd just bought it as the finish. It wasn't. And then they went, and then, like, the actual finish uh, didn't get over as much. So I, I think that's just an issue with modern. That you you know you need to don't go too long. To me, I would take a you know I still do think the match was too long, um, and the finish a bit anticlimactic. I'd take like a quarter star off for that probably, but uh, it was very good. I mean, it was like I said, I prefer it. You know, when people are like saying, "Oh, Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole, best match in WWE history." Like, Come on. How about best match in North American history? Come on. <laughs> and, you know, so, you know, like I said, it was it was worked in a way that going that long was okay. Um, you know, before, you know, I m- remember we had briefly touched upon the show, I think, last week on Thursday. I said, you know, they've really got to, you know, get over the idea of a Brit holding the title again. And that uh, prime target deal did that in spades. Like they really told the story about how, you know, Dunn, Bait, and Seven got all this instant success. They kind of weren't ready for it. And then Imperium just sort of swept in. And now they're like, wait a minute, man, this is the brand we put on the map. We need to be on top of this deal. Um, so the story was was great. And then, you know, just the whole, and then the, the interactions they had in ring leading up to it were great with Walter beating the shit out of both bait and seven. Um, I, I just cannot say enough, uh, things about Walter. I mean, this guy is just unbelievable. I'm so relieved. You like that prime target. Cause you know, I, I watched it, recommended it to you guys and was a little afraid. It was a little, you know, cause it was, it was done in a kayfabe manner and, I'm a little worried that I was coming off a little bit you know, too big of a mark. <laughs> no, no. So they were, they did try to have it both ways. And I was, there, there was a moment I was like, okay, God, you're like, this is a very like real thing. And then it's like, you know, and then they're, you know, when they went to his mom at the end and you're right, she's like, no, no one deserves to see that. And it's like, okay, come on. But like, it, it got over. Like, I mean, it's like, even though, you know, it was in storyline, I, th- I think, you know, it, it still worked in the framework of the story they were telling. I think that's the absolute best build when it is in the kayfabe sense. And they build in the videos like that. You know, I don't have any problem with that. I, th- I always think back to like that 2002 SummerSlam build with the rock and Brock Lesnar. And that's, mm-hmm. that's like the ultimate for me. I thought that build was so good. And yes. That's all kayfabe. So, I mean, I, I love that stuff. I love it when I can get lost in those shows. Yeah. Just take it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it's just, you know, I mean, we all, we want to suspend disbelief. Mm-hmm. That's, you know. Believe it or not, even us, us nerds doing a wrestling yeah. podcast, we love to suspend disbelief and yes, <laughs> just take yes. it all in. But yeah. so, I mean, it's just when it makes sense and then it's a logical story. I mean, this just in, I mean, you know, most shows people watch are fake. <laughs> you know, and people get into the story because the story's always good. So, you know, I'm just the, the, the footage of Walter 
um, you know, w- with his with his uh, pupils, training them, and like the idea that he just like works them so hard, and he's just total business approach, and he's like a, a drill sergeant, just great stuff. I really wish that he would have like chopped one of his students really hard, though. <laughs> Like just like picked one up for screwing up and just just chopped the absolute shit out of him. That would have been great. So but, uh, I got a question. Where mm-hmm. does uh, where where do they go from here for Walter opponents? Okay, th- that's a great question because this was kind of again it goes back to something I said with that first Gargano Champa match in New Orleans. They like. Well, that one was a little different. That was worked like a total blow off, right? And yet they kept the feud going for quite a long time. This, you know, the match was was so big, and um, you know, it, it's it, there is this sense of all right. Well, how? What are they going to top that with? I think that's maybe what you're alluding to, um, and I don't have that answer. Um, but I, I think the way Bate lost, he would maybe get another shot. I, I don't know. Ultimately, they're going to go to Walter and Pete Dunn again. I, I think that's the answer. Is but it, I would assume that's a ways down the road, though, don't you? It could. Uh, it could. I, I don't know. I mean, they might even, like, ha- do a rematch, like, you know, one year later, WrestleMania weekend. They could. I was um, thinking uh, maybe they try and recapture some of the magic between uh, Walter and Jordan Devlin. Yeah, I mean, they had a great TV match, too, and and... You know, it's funny. We talked about these these shows. Uh, was it? I think it was on our all out review. It was, as a matter of fact, where these promotions need to learn not every match needs to be fifteen plus minutes, and you don't need to put everyone on the card. Jordan Devlin was not on this card. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, people were like, "Wow!" I mean, that, that, that's crazy. Um, you know, some of the matchmates. So. Yeah, I mean, that would be great. And it, it would be obviously be worked in a very similar style uh, to Walter and Tyler Bate, mm-hmm. I think, you know, with, you know, kind of the underdog uh, baby face going at the monster heel. Uh, Justin, so as high as Kyle is on Walter here, it sounds like you're just as high on Tyler Bate. So where does, uh, where does Tyler Bate rate in the Justin Joint echelon of favorite pro wrestling performers right now? Oh, boy. I mean, like... Just straight up ring work, it might be him and Cesaro. Mm. You know, you, you know when you factor in other stuff. You know, I I put in Finn because I you know I'm a mark for face paint, <laughs> and then you know my boy Seth Rollins from the uh, the beating heart of professional wrestling Iowa. No, gotta love him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, especially I mean ever. He was awesome in the original tournament, and then ever since that Pete Dunn match, you know, I just, just a huge fan. It was it was great to see him work in a singles environment again. Yes, you know, and not yes, just be like, it. you know, and this is gonna sound mean, I guess, and and I don't really want it to, but I, I guess by its very nature, it's gonna mean, you know, it almost kind of feels like the tag team. He was, you know, I know they're obviously Trent Seven trained him, but he almost kind of felt like Trent Seven was saddling him in a tag team environment it was okay to see once in a while and mustache Brown had, had some great matches obviously but you know i think it we are not alone in feeling it was very refreshing to see tyler Bate shine again in that singles environment mm-hmm. all right let's transition to some main roster stuff because 
plenty has happened on the main roster in the last two days, too, to talk about. Uh, probably the biggest story coming out of Raw was uh, how the show closed with Bailey seemingly turning heel, although tonight on SmackDown, it wasn't like a hard heel turn by any means. You know, like she didn't insult the fans or anything like that. Well, um, I, have a, I have a theory on why that might be. Yeah, They might have realized something. But uh, it still was a cool moment. Now, this also brings up the point of view that uh, anytime someone that the fans want to turn heel does, they cheer for it anyways. You can go back to the old John Cena argument that you know people wanted Cena to turn heel forever, and well, wouldn't he just get cheered anyways? Well, Bailey got the biggest face pop of her career in the, on the main roster when she turned heel. <laughs> right? I mean, the crowd went crazy for it. It was still a really awesome moment, though. I mean, this was this has definitely sparked, I would say, the most interest in Bailey since she's been on the main roster. I think I don't think that's even overkill to say that at this point. Just we're what twenty four hours later. Yeah, I mean, uh, she. I mean, on SmackDown tonight, she felt about as over as she's ever been on the main absolutely. roster. Absolutely, I'll yeah. co-sign that. I, I will say that they WWE released a video um, of kind of the aftermath when Raw went off the air, and there was the requisite booing of her and Sasha, but you're right. And, and we'll cert- I think it's a big talking point crowd reactions uh, to heel turns like this. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, she, they, they she got some booze on sure. SmackDown too. Like it's, it seemed like when she came out, it sounded like mostly cheers on television. And then when like the theme music went off and everything and she was just standing there, then you could hear some booze. Um, but uh, it, it's just a weird dynamic. Cause then Charlotte comes out and of course, Charlotte is a heel. Um, Charlotte did come out, didn't she? <laughs> she looked great tonight. <laughs> Kyle was pleased via our uh, text thread earlier. Yes. Charlotte came out and uh, she's heel, but like she was kind of playing off like the cool heel tonight. Like it was kind of a thing where she's like, yeah, I do this stuff, but you know what I'm doing. Like that. This is who I am versus like with Bailey. It's, it's it was games. a Ric Flair daughters promo. Yeah. <laughs> With Bailey, it's a bunch it of games, but with with Charlotte, it's all straightforward. You know who I am. You know what I'm going to do. That kind of thing. So, uh, it's definitely sparked a hell of a lot more interest in this match, I would say. And uh, even though Bailey is has held the title now for a while, she feels fresh. She feels a lot more Money interesting take. than she has in uh, several years, I would say. And so, I thought it was it was a highlighted television. I thought it was the uh, it was the best part of Raw. It was the part of Raw everyone was talking about. So, in that. Uh, in that sense, it was definitely a success. Um, Justin, what were your thoughts on it when you saw it? I don't know. People have been wanting it for so long, you know. They it got that face reaction, like you guys have been talking about, and for me, that just kind of ruined. And especially tonight, where you know the SmackDown crowd was either really good. Or a little too smarky. <laughs> yeah, they I were was... into it though. It made for it made for a show. They weren't dead. That's yeah. true. Sure. True. I'll, I'll take that over a uh, over a Green Bay crowd anytime. <laughs> there we go. Justin Joint, love this man. Getting the anti Green Bay thoughts in this week. Perfect week to do that, Justin. Love it. Go Bears. Okay, carry on. I know who signs my paychecks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't know. I. I guess I'm I'm especially after her speech tonight, I, I just I have some concerns that they're kind of at a loss as to what to do with this. 
Yeah, I was I was very interested how this would play off on SmackDown tonight, like what approach they would take to that. And uh yeah, I don't think it's it's really not very clear yet where they're going with this. So Well <laughs> Well What's your theory, Kyle? Do they know? The, <laughs> do they know? Well they probably they probably don't know, that's true. Yeah, was but what say, was your uh, what was your theory uh, on her you know, not going full in like anti crowd? Okay. For well, I'll build to that. Um and you know, next week when we preview Clash of Champions, I'll talk about how this is a show that just quite frankly reeks uh, of a company uh, that uh, perhaps uh, does not have or is questioning its long-term direction. But you know, my notes here for the Bailey Heel turn, I have finally written. This is anyone who's listened to this show for any length of time knows that we've been calling for this uh, for over a year. Eighteen months ago, pre-WrestleMania 34, tweeted it out last night. I got that like abbreviated clip where I was really calling for it, like early March 2018. Okay. Yep. So, okay, it, it was it was needed because her babyface character wasn't wasn't working really anymore. It just it just it, the, the character that got over so well in NXT did not transcend to the main roster. It just did. And it's not all her fault, you know, as always bad bookings involved, but there's some people who can overcome bad booking. Uh, this character or that character, I should say was not one of them. The crowd reaction, I think is the, uh, interesting subject here. Yes, they popped. Uh, anyone who reads Meltzer knows, you know, he's fond of saying, well, you know, modern audiences just react because something is happening. Something significant is happening in the story. Uh, I'm not going to disagree with that. But I think it also speaks uh, in this instance, and we've seen other examples of it uh, as well. Keep it in mind for this week's deep dive uh, where the crowd just wanted to see her as a heel because they were sick of seeing her as a baby face. Mm-hmm. And I, I think you just said that, Ryan, or a few mil- moments ago. And so if, you know, a heel turn is supposed to be like, oh, no, it's supposed to be like this gut wrenching thing. But nowadays, the way WWE books heel turns is they make you just like so sick of the baby face and you're happy when they turn heel because you're like, okay, they're going to be pushed now and they're going to, you know, their character is going to be kind of like course corrected. So I think that plays as much into it as anything that people like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, like this is where she should like she was just not over and she's going to be more interesting this way. Did did they make a mistake having the heel turn on Becky Lynch? where you're now having, you know, your new heel getting cheered for beating the crap out of your biggest nah, baby face. I mean, female. they probably they probably thought having Becky out there would maybe bring some booze. Um, I just think it speaks to this whole thing speaks to them not being and, and you know, again, it you talk about Becky, you know, there was a time when she was the most over baby face of this promotion, man or woman. It just to me it all goes back to they don't know how to book baby faces in this promotion. And so, you know, look at AJ Styles, for instance. Okay. He was kind of getting boring as a baby face that he turns heel and he comes out in this opening segment on raw interrupts the, you know, the contract signing between these two baby faces, Seth and Braun. And he's the one looking cool, getting cheers. Well, they're just standing there with their thumbs up their asses wanting to sign a contract. (laughs) You've been so, railing on that for a long time on this yes, program. Yes, and again, yeah. keep in mind 
this for the deep dive because I've got a perhaps the most shining example. Uh, this isn't a recent problem. I mean, this has been going on for like 15 or more years where WWE has, you know, really post Austin and rock that, you know, they, they changed the rules of the game for being a baby face. And then WWE, when they left, WWE kind of decided, well, we're just going to bottle all that back up and go back and book baby faces the way they used to be. Eh, you can't do that. <laughs> and your baby faces just look real impotent. Mm-hmm. And so I just think it's like, yeah, we just want her to be a heel where, you know, I, and that's fine. She should be a heel. But heel turns work best when, the, you know, they're kind of just, you know, reaching in and just, you know, letting you down. Those are the best heel turns. You yeah. know, like, no, no, don't do that. Like, they, they, when, they're, when they're taking something away from you. You know, now, you know, um, you know, we talk, we'll talk about it probably next week with Sasha. And, um, you know, WWE <laughs> does a great job. It, building the heel title wins sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, with Bray Wyatt, too. We're going to talk. This is going to be a subject on this show and probably future shows as well. Um, moving forward. So what is my theory with Bailey? Why they, she didn't go all out heel tonight? Well, I was the timing of this struck a chord with me because when I watch it, I'm like, oh, OK, all right, all right, this right. I'm like, wait a minute. She's working Charlotte at Clash of Champions. And now you've just made that a heel versus heel match, unless if you're just banking on Charlotte, because the show is in Charlotte, North Carolina, just getting this hometown reaction and being a babyface. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's guaranteed, quite frankly. I mean, most people do get cheer in their hometown, but Charlotte is such a full-on heel that I don't know. Um, you know, maybe now with this Bailey heel turn, she will get cheered. Um, and I think the other thing is we all thought Bailey was dead in the water and was obviously going to lose the title to Charlotte. I don't think you can have her lose the title fresh off a heel turn. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and you have all the horsewomen feuding now, by the way. Mm-hmm. I refuse to believe that we will never get horsewomen versus horsewomen. <laughs> refuse to believe it. Um, we don't know what Ronda Rousey's, uh, deal is right now but do you think that they're going to ultimately build the situation still where like you know they're they've been feuded the four horsemen women you know the um pro wrestling iteration for lack of a better term charlotte becky bailey sasha are all going to like unite at some point again and then work the for lack of a better term mma horsewomen because i'm fairly certain that will happen down the line Justin? Sure, maybe. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say no to anything in pro wrestling. It seems like exactly. the best time for it has passed, but maybe they can get the interest yeah, they, back. Like they should they yeah. should have already done it. Yeah. Uh, there's well, an well, argument yeah, that they I would should've. say I would say no cuz there, there's two of the MMA four horse women who aren't ready for that kind of spotlight in a professional wrestling ring. They definitely probably that was probably the argument against doing it already, mm-hmm. uh, you know. And here's the key: you got NXT moving to USA. You can theoretically you're gonna have more eyeballs on the product. You could theoretically get Baszler, Duke, and Shafir over more as just you know ringers that are friends of Ronda Rousey. Yeah. 
Well, I think I think Rhonda and I think Rhonda probably could have carried most of that with Shayna and the other two could have probably mm-hmm. done minimal work in the match if they had already done it. But yeah, I mean the interest was there for a long time. Right now, I'm not sure there's much interest in that. They could certainly build it back up, especially yep. with Rhonda coming back fresh and everything. But uh I think I think I would probably lean towards it happening, like Kyle said, just because never say never in pro wrestling, eventually they'll get around it's, to it. It's just something like WWE doesn't like when they're <laughs> forced, like when like people are really like telling them to do an idea. Yeah, but, true. But, but they, it's one of those. But they it's one of those deals footage where, for it, you know, like they, yeah, they were building to it at one point. It seemed like they were. You're right, but it seems like they're like willing to do it later down the line mm-hmm. <laughs> when people aren't like do this now. Yeah. So but, but that's another reason. But you know, for now, I mean, I guess we're gonna have. I mean, do we believe again? This is a discussion, probably more so for next week. Are Bailey and Sasha going to be your two women's champions coming out of Clash of Champions? Hmm. I mean, there's definitely an argument for Sasha coming back fresh. Yeah, I mean, I just don't think you can beat her in her first big match. I don't think you can beat Bailey fresh off the turn. Yeah, I think you, I think you've kind of created a situation where they almost have to be. At least that's what logic says. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that would be if I had to put money on it right now. We'll see next week when we do the preview show. But uh, right now, I would lean towards that. Yeah, you, Justin. I didn't realize the rapper Logic had such strong takes on wrestling. <laughs> what? Wait, what? Logic says. Oh yes, yes. Woo! <laughs> Over the head. Oy vey. Um, I had a point. Oh, tip of the cap to Bailey for that little smirk she gave Sasha. By the way, that was a nice touch. Oh, that was really good. Turn. Yeah, that was yeah, really good. That was, that was a real good turn. But, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, it's so easy to put, oh, you know, the crowd, you know. I mean, remember, um, <laughs> there was a certain infamous turn a little over a year ago involving two of the horsewomen that, um, you know, uh, the WWE was wrong about. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, when they tried to put Becky as the heel, that seems just so silly uh, <laughs> to even say in retrospect, but they did. Uh, they course corrected there, but I think in this case, I think Sasha and Bailey uh, will do a good job uh, as heels. Um, I think for Bailey, the, the turn was long overdue. Yeah, uh, and Absolutely. and Sasha, they, they've gone all in, and I, they want to keep Sasha happy too. I mean, <laughs> Sasha's, you know, uh, you know, we'll see how it turns out for her, Clash of Champions. But if it turns out well for her, again, another tip of the cap. Hey, protect yourself. Yeah, protect your brand. When you're an independent contractor, you got to do what you got to do. So That's a props. Great yes. Uh, should we comment on this Bray Wyatt situation for Monday? I liked the segment a lot. Feeding the feeding of uh, the Vince McMahon puppet. Yes. Just stuffing the dollar, uh, the money in its mouth. Oh, was that tremendous? <laughs> That's another situation too. When he's in this world, t- so I think it's going to be cut like. Will he get involved? You know, again, we're going to save a lot of this for next week. But, man, you put him in that situation. I don't know if it's the, just theoretically, I don't think it's the right call to have him lose. No, I I would also lean that way, too. You got this hot new character and probably got to go all in on it. Well, I mean, we'll see how the reactions are. I mean, obviously, there's still over a month's time, but. Man, it, it's—I have a feeling it's going to be hard to say no to putting the title on him. And if again, right? 
Yeah, so, no, I mean, he hasn't been on television that much, you know, since he actually debuted the character. Um, well, and that's, uh, as we know, that's a good thing. Yeah, that's a good thing. <laughs> but now he's booked to be on Raw, from what I was seeing, like almost every week through Hell in a Cell. So if he keeps that momentum well, up yeah. through that yeah. pay-per-view, yeah. I, I would think you got to go with him. Mm-hmm. But we, we shall see. Um, SmackDown was pretty enjoyable show tonight i thought uh i thought chad gable stole the show here's a guy who has been uh making the best of the television time he's been getting you know they remixed his theme song kyle well i know that's big for you that helped (laughs) but you know for a guy who could not get on television could not get much attention now he gets put in this king of the ring tournament showcasing his abilities uh at this point you know, he had this great match with Andrade tonight on SmackDown, best match of the show. I thought Elias and uh, Ali was pretty good, too, but this was the best match of the show. The crowd was super hot for it, really into the match, and uh, we have our semifinals set for next week, so I guess my question would be for you guys, do you go with uh, Chad Gable to win King of the Ring? Justin, what do you think? I would be okay with it, but I don't see that happening. I mean... When it comes to King of the Ring, which should just be for like a title shot in a future pay-per-view, they do it as you win a gimmick, basically. Mm-hmm. And that kind of gimmick uh, generally reserved for heels. So, you know, I really think it's going to be either Elias or Baron Corbin. Um, I would assume the finals are going to be Corbin and Gable. You kind of keep the Gable thing going. Uh, you just have them lose in a... In a match where he tries real hard. Oof. Oh man, I don't think they can do. Oof. I, I, I could see it. I don't know why you'd say that. God, I don't think they can do that. Man, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think I've been wrong about almost every match in this tournament. <laughs> I, you know, there's been a lot of good wrestling in this tournament. The booking has left me a little confounded at times. Yes, I would agree. I, you know, God bless Chad Gable. He's a good wrestler. I mean, I. I hope they really tone down this short business because that's not good for anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, you know, straight out of the Lance calling Lance storm boring playbook. Okay. I mean, no, I mean, unless if they're going to do a gimmick where he just like annihilates bigger wrestlers and there's not really enough bigger wrestlers on this roster to even like make that go very long, then that, that gimmick is death. So the crowd was into him though tonight. That was is into Chad Gable. I, as I've ever seen a main roster crowd, Quite frankly, um, I did not think he had a chance in hell of beating Andrade until Elias beat Ali. Because I was like, well, they can't do Elias versus Andrade. And then I do remember, didn't the short joke start with an Elias Gable segment? I'm pretty sure it did. I I don't remember. This would have been even before King of the Ring. This would have been like four weeks ago, maybe. So I guess they can play off that. Um I don't like how they have the one semifinals a triple threat at all. I think that's dumb. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, you know, at first, you know, it was, it, WWE just can't help themselves with, you know, when I was talking about how tournaments have just never worked in this country, particularly in the WWE. Um, You know, they always do like buys um, in them and stuff. And they just don't, they just don't book them well normally. The, the wrestling in this has been great. I, I just the booking has been real wacky. When you look at the people left, I just would not have thought these would be the guys left. 
I think one of the reasons the tournaments never work in WWE is because the tournaments that are super popular among wrestling fans are like the work rate tournaments where you get a lot of athletic guys in there and they put on awesome matches night after what? night. And they, they don't do that. I mean, look, you got Baron Corbin and a lot. Elias had a good match, no doubt, tonight. But like these aren't the work rate, quote unquote, guys in WWE. If you, if you want this tournament to make headlines and people to like get amped for it next year with the return of King of the Ring, with the people that are left, like no doubt you would do Ricochet Chad Gable in the finals. It's not going to happen. <laughs> like I would be shocked if they did that. But like I think I think that's the reason they don't work in WWE is they don't see, present the matches that like people get super into these days. See, I actually don't think the wrestling's been a problem. I think there's been a lot of great TV matches. I no, I tournament. agree, but I think historically that's part yes, of the reason. Right. You look at like something like the, uh, you know, the Super J Cup or the Best of the Super Juniors. These are like work rate tournaments, and those those yes. are the those are the tournaments people get super excited for. Is what I'm saying. Well, and and also I think you know the issue with King of the Ring why it ultimately bit the dust um, many years ago, and it's been brought back a couple times, but it's not been consistent. It's a mid card tournament, and this is a mid card tournament. Um, I think the success of King of the Ring really is is less on the quality of the matches and who wins, and it's more whomever they go choose to win this tournament. Where are they three, four, five, six months from now? If it truly elevates someone, then the King of the Ring becomes a big deal. If they're well, you know. Just a nothing. If they're if, they, if they're no if they're no higher than they were going than they were going into the tournament, then who cares? Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's the problem is that it used to be a star making tournament. Yes, and th- then it became a well, you know, I guess originally it was a gimmick making tournament, became a star making tournament, and then just reverted back to a, a gimmick tournament. Like here's here's your gimmick. You get to be a king now for a year. <laughs> Yeah, if you want this to be a star-making tournament... Although King Booker was great. Agreed. That was good, yeah. But if you want this to be a star-making tournament, you got you would have to have Gable go over with the people that are left, right? Because I, I, Joe I, and Ricochet, yeah. they've had success with individual titles. Corbin's been all over TV. Elias has not... I mean, he's been on TV a lot. I, I guess he can make the argument for Elias, and right now he seems pretty likely to maybe win. Yeah, he's, but. He, he did the jinx move, though. Everyone noticed every time they put somebody in the throne, well, I guess yeah. except Corbin so far, they lose. I, I would think it's Ricochet. I, I would be shocked if Chad Gable won this tournament. I, I, mean, w- I would, too. I, I Again, I'm not expecting it to happen, but I think that that would be the best call. Like, that's my opinion, personally. I'm shocked that Buddy Murphy lost Ali in the first round. I was, too. As much as hard as they – that's the most perplexing move – of this tournament to me as as hard as they push Buddy Murphy on TV for weeks with the Roman Reigns stuff and you had those two standout matches with Roman and Brian back to back weeks then it goes right into the King of the Ring and you just stop it right and that he loses made no to a sense. cold Ali I mean the, the crowd cheered when Ali when it was a good match but the crowd wanted Buddy to win that match absolutely and not yeah. even on spec on this week um pardon me. Uh, I just think, you know, I look at a lot of these. I've just been kind of shocked, quite frankly, at some of the results. And by the way, Baron Corbin had a really good match with Cedric Alexander on Raw. I thought that was a good match. But Corbin looked good. Again, if he hadn't been shot, they just can't decide what they want Corbin to be. Is he supposed to be the bane of our existence that we're supposed to root for to be (laughs) off TV? Or is he supposed to be kind of like a solid upper mid-card heel? Mm Mm-hmm. 
You know, I mean, the way he was booked at the end of last year, the WWE basically told you, yes, root for this man to be thrown off television, fire his commissioner and thrown off television. And then he, like, lost the commissioner, you know, or the uh, the GM gimmick. But then he just sort of, like, kept being on TV and had this sort of shadow power. They then foolishly shot him into the world title picture, which didn't work out. Um, so, God, if they then go back and then have him win King of the Ring, I think that would be a mistake. Um, so, I, I don't know. Uh, your guess is as good as mine because I've been wrong on, on a lot of stuff. Yeah, no, I think going in, I thought Buddy Murphy was the best pick. But now that he's been long gone, I if you want this to be a star-making tournament and someone that could benefit the most from it that hasn't been on TV much and hasn't garnered much attention, I I, I would go with Chad Gable right See, now. See, I, I don't think putting a cold guy winning is the right move. Like, it's like, I don't think he's me, cold right now, though. He's had good matches. Yeah, well, I mean, he had one like, I mean, he was over well, the Shelton match didn't get a lot of time, but they yeah. pushed it for well, weeks. Yeah. 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 But um, to me, like you want somebody who's like has momentum going into the tournament and wins. Like what's like the only successful King of the Ring tournament? Like in, as far as the, as far as the tournament itself goes. Yes. Steve Austin cut a phenomenal promo after he won a the 96 tournament. That was not a good tournament. I, I'd say uh, you can make an argument, Brett. Owen and Steve. And Hunter kind of carried some momentum from it. Okay, but the only good the only good tournament. I'm oh, not tournament like proper? Yeah. Yes. It was the only good tournament was 93. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean the 94 tournament was was bad. Um 95 horrific. Uh 96, you know, by then they were just down to a semis and final. Uh, on the show and like it was just the final was just Austin whipping Jake Roberts ass <laughs> for like 10 minutes. Uh, 97 was a, a, a abysmal tournament. Have you ever looked at the brackets for that dog? Mm-hmm. I mean, that. I mean, I'm not even going to get into the promo Jerry Lawler cut on gold dust during that thing. I mean, that's something that should be scrubbed from the network instantly. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I guess I just I look at it as Gable could benefit the most from it. Ricochet, I think he like he's already been U.S. champion. People see him as kind of a big deal. Like he's he's popular. Gable is someone that hasn't really got a foothold. The crowd was super into him tonight on SmackDown, and we'll see what happens next week. Okay. But well, my point with '93 was who won? Bret Hart. He was a really big deal already. And it, like, I thought it made the king of the Brett, you know, it was kind of necessary too to sort of rehab him after the WrestleMania nine disaster, but it Brett Hart being where he was in the promotion at that time made the king of the ring feel like a big deal. Well, they had and bigger names in it then too. If you look at the, the roster, right? Because perfect was in it. Yeah. Bam, bam. Yeah, I, yeah. Bam. But like to me, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like to me, you want somebody who's like, who just kind of needs that little extra to like, you know, get up the card. I, I don't think you just want to pull a guy from mid card or, you know, in Gable's case, even lower than mid card purgatory and just, you know, strap a crown on him and say, okay, this guy's really over now. I mean, if he gets really, I mean, if I don't know if they just, cause I just have zero confidence that they would go all out with a Chad Gable push. Like, like no confidence that they would do that. <laughs> Not. That's also true. Because ultimately, I think that goes back to what I said. I, the King of the Ring, the success of the tournament, it's, yes, quality of matches helps. 
uh, picking, choosing the right winner is a major deal. But it's ultimately whomever you pick, it's where is that person six months from now? And, you know, that's why they're, they're able to, you know, they're kind of able to uh, retcon this thing as a big deal. Oh, Brett wanted, Owen wanted, Austin wanted, Triple H wanted. And those guys did all become big deals. So it's a big thing. But, you know, there have been some weak winners as well. I'm afraid I've got some bad news. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would love to see a Ricochet-Chad Gable final just for the match and give them time. I I was convinced it was going to be Ricochet versus Andrade before TV this week. And then when, like I said, when Elias beat Ali, I was like, oh. I guess Andrade, because I, I didn't think Chad, I was looking, I was like, all right, who uh, Gable's not beating Andrade. They're not going to have Chad Gable win twice. Well, they had, a, they had an opportunity to do a uh, king and queen scenario right in front of them, but they chose not to do it. With Andrade winning, becoming yes. king of the ring. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought before the tournament started, it was, you know, getting back to Ryan's argument, you know, building to that final ricochet Buddy Murphy, I thought was the match you wanted as the final. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, so, oops. Yeah. All right, Kyle. We're winding it down. I think it's time. It's time for that deep dive. It's time for the Kyle Ross. I love the sport. Deep dive of the week. Okay. You talk about uh, WWE sort of losing its way when it comes to booking baby faces. I was reminded uh, over this past week over uh, one of the worst baby face turns uh, in execution quite possibly in the history of professional wrestling. (laughs) And that would be the night after SummerSlam 2004 and Mr. Randy Orton. Mm. You guys remember this one? Oh, yeah. Okay, Randy Orton beats Chris Redacted at SummerSlam to win the title. Youngest (laughs) world champion. Chris Chris Redacted. (laughs) Kills me every time. and Uh. And he was cheered in Canada. You know, that was the, the infamous Bizarro World pay-per-view. Um, and he had a lot of momentum. And then, you know, so it was very clear they were building to a split with Orton and Evolution, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So their choice was to turn Randy Orton babyface. That could be debated. It's probably a different show for a different day. But they chose Randy Orton. Okay. Now, let me ask you guys a question. Hypothetically, of course, you're sitting at a bar with your wife. Some guy comes up to you and says, you know, you wouldn't dare take your shirt off because you'll just know you're not half the man I am or something to that effect. You wouldn't like that guy, right? You probably <laughs> want to kick his ass, to be honest, right? Okay. Now, if his buddies later in that night start kicking his ass, in fact, you're probably not going to feel any sympathy for the guy based on what he said, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go to the night after SummerSlam 2004 <laughs> where Randy Orton came out, doubled down as a heel, told the crowd they were all ugly and he was better than them. And then later in the night, Triple H gave the old thumbs down and they dumped Orton from Evolution. And we were supposed to cheer for that guy. Not a lot of continuity there over the course of a uh, two-hour show, you're saying? Yes. Uh, I just think not a lot of brain power in the booking <laughs> meeting. 
So the match is uh, that you can watch because there was an accompanying match with this whole angle. It was a rematch of the main event of SummerSlam 2004 with Chris Redacted challenging Randy Orton. It's actually a better match than their SummerSlam match, quite frankly. If you don't want to like watch Chris Redacted matches, uh, I would not fault you. Uh, I will not uh, mock you. I won't even hold it against you. You can always just watch the angle afterwards, which he is not involved with. He just fades to uh, out of the picture. So that is something to want when you, you know, and we saw with Seth Rollins, too. Remember that when he came back and the crowd and he's like, you guys are really happy to see me. Right. And the crowd's going crazy for him. He's like, well, I'm not happy to see you. <laughs> and then like two months later, he turns baby face when triple eight, when, when triple H of course, he turns on him again. Don't understand it. Yeah. Don't understand that kind of booking as a baby. And it's funny. Just, you know, I was, I was actually having this conversation randomly about the Orton booking was with my buddy, Chad. And then this Bailey thing happened. And I got to thinking about, WWN's booking a baby face. I said, oh, what a perfect time to kind of bring that discussion I had with a buddy to the show. Mm-hmm. There you go. Haven't seen that in a long time, but I do remember me and my friends used to mock the, the old thumbs down that they did there. When Batista did it, it was fucking great. Mm-hmm. The, when Dave Batista gave the thumbs down and Ric Flair had like the biggest smile on his face and then it just went away, that is great. Yeah. You talk about you, you talk about doing like as bad as they did the Orton deal, they did that Triple H Batista thing so right. Yeah. Maybe yep. the only time Triple H ever put somebody over is a baby face. <laughs> yeah. Well, Batista is a legend. Yes. Fantastic performer. So, all right, Kyle, thanks for the recommendation. We'll check it out. Listeners, check it out. And uh, if you guys have comments on it, send them into topropenation at gmail.com. I'd love to read them on the air, get you guys involved in the broadcast uh, next week on episode 115. And uh, you can follow us on social media at Top Rope Nation. We're on Instagram, we're on Facebook, pretty much anywhere we can get our thoughts out there. We're on there. So follow us. Leave us a message. Let us know what you think of the show. We'd appreciate it. Of course, all the podcasting platforms, like I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, check us out there. And uh, this weekend, as I said, we will be recording a new edition of Top Rope Nation Classics looking at WWF Backlash 2002. Check it out at patreon.com slash Nation. Justin, Kyle. Thanks, as always, my friends, for the broadcast tonight. You got a big week planned at all, Justin? Uh, going to uh, the in-laws this weekend. Mm. Oh, that's right. You're not going to join us on Classics, mm-hmm. right? No, sadly. Yes, it'll just be myself and Kyle. Kyle, are you ready for that? I am ready. I have watched two of the matches. I have a few more to go, obviously. All right. All right. Well, it'll be like the olden days, uh, back in... Uh, Mid-2016, when just myself and Kyle were on the broadcast. We can do it. We can do it. I'll, I'll miss you. I'll miss you, Justin, but uh, hopefully we'll get you on the next one at the end of September because we already have our next edition of Top Rope Nation Classics planned as well. So we're looking forward to that. I have a lot of takes on Backlash Show, too. Yes. It is a, uh, it's a newsworthy show, that's for sure. Especially looking back. So... <laughs> Look for that this weekend, guys. I want to thank the producers of the show, Derek, Kyle, Tim, Forrest, Sean, Gabe, Carlo, Liam, and Ryan. And we will catch you guys next time. Have a good rest of your week and and, uh, enjoy NFL opening weekend this weekend. Take care. Peace.